Welcome back in listeners to another fantastic episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We are so excited about today's episode as we already had this show on our sites before we were reached out to have these amazing artists on our show. Joining us today, we have the playwright and performer, Peter William Jameson, and the producer, Ethan Felizari Castillo, who are with the show Borderless. It's playing August 10th through the 20th at Theater Lab in Manhattan, and tickets and more information are available by visiting streetkidcollective.com or theaterlabnyc.com. So let's go ahead and just jump right to it and bring on our guest, Peter Ethan. Welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Hello. Thank you for having us. Yeah. I am so excited to be speaking to the two of you because as I mentioned in that intro, your show Borderless, we already had it on our big board. We were already like, we're going to see the show before we were even reached out to have you on our program. The show is amazing. The story alone. I mean, holy cow. It's incredible. So, Peter, I want to start with you as the playwright. Will you tell us a little bit about what Borderless is and is about? Definitely. It's about two kids, two stepbrothers, one of which is an all-around American kid who grew up on the west coast of America in Oregon. And uh, his stepbrother, who is an Afghanistan, an Afghani refugee, who, along with his mother, got asylum to America after the civil war in the nineties and they married my character's dad and they formed this very tight knit family and the boys just formed this really inseparable bond and they have this sort of beautiful childhood. Everything is, you know, there's, there's some skeletons in the closet a little bit from their experiences of fleeing the sort of Taliban persecution in the nineties, but it's this beautiful childhood. And then all of a sudden nine 11 happens. And Afghanistan is back in the news for a different reason. And as, you know, the whole world's focusing on it, Hassan, my character's stepbrother, sort of sees it all and goes, I'm, I want to go back. I want to go back. I need to go back and help. So the boys, after high school, join the army. They go to Afghanistan. And some stuff happens over there. I don't want to say too much. But then they come back. And some more stuff happens, which is, yeah, it's, I don't want to give anything away, which is super hard to do when you're trying to describe the plot and trying to get people to come, but stuff goes down. That's all I'm going to say. Stuff goes down is a good, it's a good way to describe. (laughs) I love that. And like I said, that's, that's one of the things that attracted me to the show is because I mean, the first thing I saw was of course, Afghanistan and you know, being a little bit younger and living here in the States, the first thing we do think of is, of course, Afghanistan post 9-11. But of course, like you mentioned, this story starts in the 90s. And we don't really think of what Afghanistan was like after the 80s, after, you know, the Soviet Union and, of course, the fall of the Soviet Union, the rise of the Taliban. So I love that you actually start there and we get to see how everything became what it is, you know. So that is just so brilliant. And I want to ask, how did you come up with the idea for this particular story? Yeah, well, I don't know if your listeners have already picked up, but I have a bit of an accent. I'm originally from Australia. And Australia sort of had this period. Well, it started right after the Vietnam War, where coincidentally, my wife is Vietnamese. And her family actually arrived in Australia via boat because they were fleeing 
the the communists like in the vietnam war and they arrived they were seeking asylum in australia so australia kind of had this history starting back then and then went into the middle east conflicts and everything of people sort of getting trying to seek asylum running from sort of terror for their lives and it's always been a hot topic so that was always sort of in the back of my mind there's always a healthy debate as to you know about that and then one day i was working at this job that i used to work in a gym and the, my boss who was an afghanistan veteran and he was he I, he always struck me as like he is he is honestly such a nice guy and everything but i remember there was this one day where he was watching on the tv riots or some big civil unrest in one of the, the middle eastern countries this was about like in 2000 and 12 just after he'd gotten back and quit the army and he was watching this riot unfolding on tv and he just turned to me and he just said excuse my french they're all effing animals over there and i was like whoa like i was i was just so shocked because i'm like what happened to you to like i was was, that comment was so different and so out of character to the person that i know him to be and I'm like, whoa, something has happened. Like, whoa, this is just just a million questions just flooded into my mind. And he never spoke about it. And he was always very cagey. But he did have a bracelet on of a, one of a couple of his friends on their, like, days that they died on his wrist. So he had this, memori- this like, memori- memorial bracelet thing that he always used to wear. So I always knew he went through something, but he'd never spoken about it. And then years later, there I saw a statistic in the newspaper in, in Australia, which said that 46 Australian soldiers died during the conflict in Iraq and Afghanistan, but over 800 veterans have committed suicide since returning home. And that sparked such a big thing in me. I'm like, oh, whoa. So the more I did the research, this was about 2018, 19. And the more I did research into it, and the more I had this idea for this show, I gave him a call, my friend from work, that boss who was a veteran. And I was like, look, I've got this idea for a show. Would you mind just sitting down in a pub with me over a couple of beers and just just chatting about your experiences? Like the no no pressure at all. And he was like, mate, I would love to. And no one's he said no one has ever asked me to do that. And I'd love to. And so we sat down at this pub in Sydney over a couple of schooners and I voice recorded it because I got his permission and he just told me his story. And we were there for about four hours. And by the end of it, I was just like, just shaken to my core with the amount of raw honesty and just everything that he, and and so much of that has pretty much gone into the show as well. Like I've worked not only with him, but also with a, a couple of other veterans and their stories, the, just the inner resonance of like their experiences and what they see or saw and experience, not only while they're there, but most importantly, which often gets overlooked through any sort of piece of art that has some sort of war in it. But it's like the after effect of it and the after effect of that, which happens on it, on their families and their kids, their partners, which is never really spoken of. So yeah, that's sort of where the idea came from. And it's interesting. So with that statistic, I know that's Australia's statistic, but I'm doing more research about adapting it into an American story because I did it a, I did a performance run in Australia, which was really successful. And bringing it over here, I thought, oh, well, you know, Americans are so patriotic and their contribution in that war was so much bigger than what, it, what Australia was. 
what what were their statistics looking like? And there was a report in 2021 by the um, Boston University, and it said that over 7,000 U.S. servicemen and women died during the conflict, yet over 30,000 veterans have committed suicide. Now, I know that's a pretty bleak, that's an awful, earth-shattering sort of thing. But, yeah, I just, I don't want anyone to come in to this show thinking, oh, it's about war, it's a bleak thing, so, veterans are all screwed up in the head. They're, they're really not. I've, for, throughout my research and just sitting down and talking to them, they are probably the highest functioning people that I know about. And they're so strong and everything like that. But their story is... They, they, they really, they're, they're, a lot of them are afraid to talk about it. And that was the big thing that sort of, as a, as a storyteller, really connected with me because it's like these people are trained not to show any weakness, to, to just put the best foot forward and just keep going. But there comes a point, which is a line in the play, which I always come back to it. There's a, comes a point where their sort of memories just haunt them and they can't, yeah, I don't know. They do anyway. Uh, that was a long ramble, but that's that. It's been sitting with me for years, and it's just so. I just feel so sort of privileged to be able to tell this story, and yeah, and to share their sort of their stories and their experiences. That's so upsetting and powerful. But I'm so glad you're bringing that story and that idea to the stage. It's it's important. I want to bring in our producer now, Ethan, and I want to first ask. I mean. As Peter mentioned, you know, this this is a show that started in Australia. And Ethan, I mean, you you sound like you might be a little closer to, from a little closer to home. How did you come upon this story? Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm from New York, born and raised in New York, just outside on Long Island. Uh, you know, I I've been producing theater and film for, for the last 10 years and all independent. And I met Peter through actually last year we were doing a, a reading for a play I was directing and and producing that was that's still in development. And, you know, he brought up, he said, Hey, I have this script, you know, I, I don't, I, I did it in Australia, trying to do something with it again. Don't know what direction I'm going to take with it, but if you want to read it, I'd love to send it to you, send it to me. And honestly, I didn't read it right away. I was, but I was like, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. I'm going to check it out. And I remember the first chance I got to read it. I was just, incredibly moved i mean similarly to to what you said i mean i think the important aspect of this is that someone is bringing this story and these ideas to light because we know it exists like i think a lot of us know veterans or know of the issues of you know ptsd and veterans committing suicide and you know we we've, we've seen this heard this we've heard some numbers and statistics but we don't really see as much media surrounding it you know like the only news headlines and only articles so for me as a as a producer i was like what a wonderful and beautiful opportunity it is to and a privilege really to to bring this story and be a very small part in helping it you know come to life and and come here to new york in whatever capacity that was going to be so you know i i had told peter from the day i read the script the very first time whatever you need from me, I'm there, you know? Uh, and it wasn't until months and months and months later that we actually, you know, were able to to get in touch with Theater Lab and, and you know, be there and, and have this amazing show be presented to a New York City audience. But, you know, we, 
this was just all in the air, but I, I told him, I was like, you call me when you are ready, when it is the right time. I want to be there to help out in any capacity. So, you know, it's, I really truly feel like it was fate that Peter and I have met and that I cast him on a, on a whim. It, it was love at first sight. Let's be honest, we, say okay? we say that often. We really do say that often because we now, you know, this has led to Peter and I collaborating on other things, you know, and we, we plan on collaborating on a, on a ton of more projects. And I think this one is just such a special one to be our first proper collaborative work together, you know, not just between our two companies, but between two creative people who really deeply care and are passionate about this story. So yeah, yeah, it's just a, just an honor to bring this thing to life. So that's amazing. And that is a great lead into my next question, which is what has it been like developing this show? Ethan, I'm going to stay with you first on this. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I think Peter will have a, a more insightful answer. I think, uh, you know, I have been with the show now for, for I guess, I guess around a year ago was when you sent me the script, Peter. So about a year ago, maybe a little bit less. But I think, you know, from, from the jump, I had told Peter, I said, look, you have such a vision with this show and he truly does like this is something that i think if if you don't know peter and your listeners listening to this getting an introduction to peter he is a brilliant mind like this is a guy who not only is an extremely talented actor and and i say this and peter's laughing over there because he's like oh my god gassing me up but it's true but like peter has this ability to tell a story and like his his pen is just some of the strongest like it's just it's just so beautiful what he's able to do with words and with story so you know really i i'll be honest with you i have not done much of the development because this man just has something that is so amazing already you know what what i think we have really seen or what i have you know been really excited about is the prospect of bringing this to life after you know this production we're doing in august you know and that's really been where my sort of development has come into play you know it's not just about this production it's like hey this is our introduction of peter william jameson in, in the u.s you know this is you know this man has already done this this beautiful play with some wonderful reviews over in australia this is just the beginning so you know for me when i think of development with this play is hey what is it going forward you know we have this really beautiful I, I would say bare bones production or bare bones version of this show that's going to be put on to an amazing audience in the city. And and how do we develop it from there? So, so that's what I've been most excited about. And I think that's sort of been my part of the development process, but I mean, I'll let Peter speak a little bit more to the specifics of it because he's, he's had a, he's had a big transition with it going from being an Australian focused play, you know, to a, to a American focused play. I mean, that, when he mentioned he was going to do that, I was like, damn, man, that's a, yeah, it's a big undertaking, you know, it's because it's, it's different. You know, there's a lot of differences there and there's a lot of weight there, right? Especially as an Australian writer. But I mean, what he's done with it, it's just been, been amazing so far to see and how he's grabbed this script and expanded upon it. It's just, it's insane. It's insane, truly. Well, Peter, let's go ahead and have, have you pick the ball up there and run with it. What has it been like developing Borderless? Yeah, it's been, I don't want to say easier than expected with with regard to turning it from an Australian story into an American story. I thought it would be very big and I was worried about that. 
and because that was the working with so many Australian veterans, I did. I wanted to keep the nuances of their story, and I, I was just like, oh, what was the experience like for Australian troops and American troops? Was it vastly different? So I had to go into some rabbit holes there. But to be honest, like the story itself. I know we talk about veterans and everything like that, and it's, it's that focus. But to be honest, it's such a human story. It's such a story about a family. Uh, and that's it at its core. Yes, it's on the backdrop of the Afghan- Afghanistan war and all that. But it's it's such a, a human story. And it's about a family, these two brothers and this tight-knit family and the effects of that. And like I, I was speaking to a couple of veterans over here and, to be honest, the, the, the Australians and Americans fought side by side in Afghanistan. They were in the same bases. They had the same missions. They would sometimes be on the same missions with each other, fighting side by side, eating the same food. Like they had the same objectives. So that part actually, thank God, was like actually a lot easier than I thought it was going to be because I was like, oh, no, I'm going to have to rewrite everything. But it was actually really, it was surprisingly like, good the only little things were little technicalities like instead of growing up in my character in the australian version he grows up in a place called newcastle which is like a small surfside town now he's growing up in newport oregon which is a little surfside town but in oregon and instead of like you know being in townsville he lives in port stewart georgia so it's uh it's little technical things like that but to be honest, yeah, the the main the bulk of it has been the same. It's it's just that human story, which I think no matter where you present this play, this show, and tell this story, people are going to be like brought into it and captivated by it because it is. It's just a human. It's a human story, a human piece. Absolutely, I love that. What is the message or the thought you're hoping the audiences will take away? And Peter, let me start with you on that. Obviously, we want to create more awareness for veterans and the mental health sort of crisis that's there. And But I think larger than that, it's just about anyone who's suffering from any form of mental health issues or is going through any tough time. I don't want to label it as a mental health, but like any sort of tough experience or devastating experience, which is really just knocked you around, is that. It is always better to talk about it. And I've had I've had mates of mine, like guys that I've grown up with that are no longer with us because they've they, you know, didn't talk. And so I think it's just to break it's not a it's it is a veteran and raising awareness about that, but it is trying to break down the stigma that, you know, keeping these things to yourself and thinking that that's the stronger way to deal with it as my wife also reminds me constantly that I should communication is always better than not talking at all, which is something that I think anyone can, can look at and learn from. Yes. That's a wonderful message to have. Ethan, what about you? I mean, I think, I think Peter nailed it. I mean, I, I, I genuinely think that while it is focused on a story about a veteran and about someone who has, you know, experienced this sort of, you know, unique experience that that the majority of humans will not experience. I think that at the end of the day, this is, this is a human story, you know, like, like Peter said, and I think anybody should be able to watch this play and be able to feel 
like they can not just sympathize with our with our you know character but really understand them a little bit more and see themselves within it because yeah again you know just to, to echo what peter said there like this is a human story and everybody goes through these kinds of things to some capacity so you know we're just hoping people can relate to this and bring awareness to the issue i mean it's something that we as society just like veterans are so often forgotten about and we just don't think about them so often than not you know these these people are not going out there not not always in the the same sort of patriotic way i think a lot of american propaganda expects us to to think that they all are right but you know these these people who go out there are going out there for for a variety of reasons and you know they're coming back with with so much baggage and they they don't have the resources not everywhere at least you know we live in new york where new york happens to have a lot of resources but we're a major city. I mean, what about those small towns in the middle of the country? You know, not everyone's from New York, not everyone's from a major city. So, you know, I think this play, we really do hope sparks this conversation and gets people really talking about the issue at hand, because it's something that we, we, we can't forget about. We can't, we can't forget about these people. We've forgotten about them for too long. Particularly also, sorry, just jumping in now. It's crazy that I, sorry, just weird looking back on it because I wrote this and performed it and the the closing night of the Australian run was literally two months prior. So two months after the closing run in Australia, the Taliban took back control of Afghanistan. And it was just like such a surreal moment. It's like now the veterans, now that all of their hard work, which you go, which you see in this show that particularly the role of, because my character, my character and my character, the, my brother, we go in as sappers, which is like a combat engineer. They went to help the people by building schools for the kids to receive some form of education, including like men and women. Like, And now that the Taliban now have taken back control of the country and are in control of it, you see that like all of the hard work that they've put in for, for the greater good of like, you know, making sure women get an education and have rights are now gone. And it's like now our veterans are, at their most vulnerable because they're i mean i can it, you can only imagine like trying to yeah anyway sorry i get a bit caught up in emotions and stuff with it which is why i'm performing the show i guess but yeah sorry i'm ranting no no i think you're you're on on to a really important and good point that's a good lead into my final question for this first part which is who do you hope have access to this show Ethan, I want to start with you first on that. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I I'm very big into accessibility for theater. I'm my family's from El Salvador. Uh, in El Salvador, we don't have a lot of theater right now. El Salvador's going through a massive just change culturally, and there's a lot of really beautiful art coming out of there. But for me, I remember growing up, and my family thankfully always exposed me to arts and to theater. But I can't say the same thing about other people within my own community just as a, as a Latin person, right? So I I have always been huge into whatever project I produce, doesn't matter what project it is, but whatever project I produce, I want there to be a level of accessibility. So whether that's 
hey, we find some way to lower ticket prices. We find ways to bus over people who need to see this show, who need to see themselves represented. So honestly, it's, again, it's going to sound like a, a little bit of a, a general answer, but I want every single person who can to be able to see this show. I want this to be able to go everywhere. Um, I want this to be accessible for any person who has thought about this conversation. Um, you know, I've, I've, we've talked about different mediums for how we can actually get this show and story out there and whatever way we can just get this story told. That's what's most important to me. Um, and obviously, you know, I want veterans to see this too, right? Like I want people who actually can relate to the story to see this, but at the end of the day, you know, they know this issue. They know what's going on. They're the first, they're the ones that, uh, that are going through this. I would love for people who are so far removed. I would love for high school kids and, you know, college kids to come and see this show and be able to start that conversation because that's where the change is, right? The change is going to happen from, from the people who are younger than us, right? Who are going to be able to push this and propel this forward. So, so yeah, yeah, I know, again, a very general answer. So I apologize about that, but yeah. No, that's a great answer. That is a fantastic answer. Peter, what about you? Who do you hope have access to Borderless? It it really struck me about a month ago. I was in London and I went to the Globe Theater and saw a show. I saw Midsummer Night's Dream at the Globe. And that's in the round and you're right up on the stage. Like the performers are telling the story directly to you. And it just totally reiterated. It just was such a a light bulb moment for me in the sense that it was like, this is actually what theater is all about. It's the voice of the people. It's, it's, it's for the people and by the people. It's like, if you're part of a community, then borderless is for you. Like you're in any sense, if you're part of a community, which has anyone in it that has suffered or knows someone that's suffering or going through a hard time, a simple conversation can change your life. And I think anyone who has that capability of just, you know, I think everyone, yeah, Ethan kind of just nailed it, really. Like, it is a story about people for people. So if you're a person, come along. That's my sales pitch. <laughs> Please listen carefully. change things up for the second part of our interview and give our listeners the chance to get to know you both a little bit better. I want to start by asking you two, what or who inspires you? What playwrights, shows, composers have inspired you or some of your favorites? And Peter, why don't I start with you on that? Everything kind of inspires me. You, as an artist, I don't think you can sort of narrow yourself off to one sort of thing. Like I'll get inspired by lots of different stuff. But playwrights, David Hare is probably one of my favorite playwrights. His production, I remember there's a the National Theatre did a production of his play Skylight with Bill Nye and Carrie Mulligan. You, you've seen it. You're nodding. You're happy. You saw it. Amazing, right? Incredible. It was wonderful, yeah. Oh, it's just like the way he just David Hare just strips back, which is again why why I love it so much is that it just strips back the character and you just see a person, you just see a human being on stage to like just telling their story and being, 
you know, all the flaws and everything. It was amazing. So that that's definitely sort of my favorite play, and he's my favorite playwright at the moment. Another play which is an Australian play called When the Rain Stops Falling by Andrew Bovell. That I saw that play like about 10 years ago, and to this day it's just like gives me chills thinking about it. It's a really good play. Yeah, those are mine. I love that. Ethan, what about you? You're, you get some good answers there. Look, I I kind of, it's interesting. I, I see a lot of media. I like to make, I, I, I consider going to the movies like my religion. I go as often as I possibly can and to the theater as well. You know, I think theater has become, unfortunately, depending on what kind of theater you're seeing, a little bit less accessible financially for a lot of people, which has always been something I've been against. But I I truly, I find all of my inspiration in human beings, like in genuine people's stories. You know, people have asked me that question before, like, oh, you know, when you direct, what's your, you know, who do you model your directing style after? Or as a producer, like, who do you look at to like, like, and I'm like, I don't, I, I genuinely, I, I, don't think that there's any one person I, I look at human beings and I look at like, yo, how, how, how are they reacting to things? Because at the end of the day, everything that we create artistically, it's, it's about the human to human connection. That's what we hope, right? At least, you know, you hope that you can look past the fact that you're sitting down inside of a theater. You hope you can look past that and get transported. Right. So it's like, the, I think all the inspiration comes from humans. Like I, one of my favorite things to do, will just be to go sit in any park, doesn't matter where it is in the city or Long Island or wherever in the world, but just sit down and just people watch a little bit and just kind of be present. I think it's just, I think you learn so much about humanity. You know, same thing goes with like volunteering and just having conversations, like real genuine conversations with people. That's that's where my inspiration comes from. So not a not such an artistic answer, I guess, but truly human beings are my inspiration. <laughs> Uh, no, that's wonderful. That is a wonderful answer. Now, I know you two have been busy getting ready for the production to open soon, but have either of you seen any great theater lately you might be able to recommend to our listeners? Peter, you go first, sir. Yeah, I saw Hamlet at the public theater in the in Central Park. It was great. I loved it. I loved what they did. Loved it. They, they was such a refreshing take. And it was a great chance to sort of see it as well, because I know they're shutting down the the public theater to renovate for like a good year. So there won't be anything there until 2025. So if you do get a chance to go see it, definitely worth it. Yeah, there's a there's a play called Vamanos, which was playing at Intar Theater. My cousin was the set designer, so I'm a little biased, but beautiful, beautiful play. Anything, I'm I'm very, there's a this really interesting movement going on right now with Latin creatives, especially in theater. And it's hasn't really happened in a way ever. You know, there've been amazing Latin creatives, but I think, you know, Lin-Manuel has inspired a lot of people to to say, you know what? Yeah, this is my voice, this is my story. I'm going to go out there. So anything that Inter Theater has done has been wonderful. I've seen a few things and I think it's all great, but anything, honestly, there's so many wonderful Latin plays and musicals that are out there right now so i encourage everybody and they're latin american stories they're they're like it's not just a story about a bunch of people from different countries speaking in spanish it's truly stories about new york there's like wonderful amazing stories about new york but just from a latin perspective and like 
I would, I'm, I'm looking, I'm in Long Island city, Queens right now. And out my window, I can see midtown Manhattan. And I, I know the, in, after 95th street, 90% of the people that are there are going to be Latin. So, you know, the majority of our city is Latin. So finally our voices are being told a little bit, our, our story is being told a little bit. So yeah, go see some Latin theater. That's find it and go see it. It's going to be really great. You're going to love it. After borderless, right? After borderless. After borderless. borderless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you to this. What's your favorite part about working in the theater? I love how, and this is going to sound funny, but I love how messy it is. And what I mean by that is I love that no matter the level of budget, no matter how professional anything is, it's always just a little bit messy. And I think that there's something so beautifully fun and creative about that. My company is called CK and CK stands for creative kid. And the reason why I'd come up with that was specifically because I always liked the the notion that the only way to create is to be able to like wipe away all of our insecurities and all of the, the things that we block ourselves from being creative and just be a kid again. And I think that the messier the theater, the more fun it is to put it back together, you know? So I, I think that there's something so fun and playful and exciting about not knowing really what's going to happen, not just on stage, but everything, you know, doesn't matter how prepared you are. It's, it's live. Something's always going to happen and there's just nothing, nothing like it, you know? Love that. Peter, how about you? <laughs> I like it in the sense that it's like, I'm not sure what it was like here growing up in New York, but like in Australia, in a small town, you would sort of like, you know, all the kids on the block would get together and just play. And it's pretty much kind of like that. Like it's gone from like running around the streets and everything, having imaginary, like, you know, whatever, like stories and everything to being put into a theater. And now you've got the ability with the text to just, you know, to make a statement and to also change people. Like part of my, some of my, favorite experiences have been just acting in a scene and just seeing there's this one scene in borderless where i was i looked over it's a bit of an emotional scene and i looked over and the like there were these big guys these big rugby union players from the pacific islands that had come to see borderless and they were in the front row and they were bawling their eyes out <laughs> these huge muscled mountain men that were just bawling their eyes out and then there was like there's other parts yeah so it's I guess it's the effect that it can have on people. It's it's such a pure form of, of storytelling and art, I think. The pureness of it is just, and the connection that you have is something that I don't think you can really ever get enough of. That's wonderful. Absolutely. Well, this leads me to my favorite question to ask guests, which is, what is your favorite theater memory? The moment I knew I wanted to be an actor, which was seeing my sister on stage for the first time and just seeing her there, the light, the way the stage light like hit her face and just like lit up and just the, yeah, just this, the first time that I was in a theater, that was pretty much, yeah, just a, like someone had just sort of cast a spell over me and the rest of the audience. It was just great. So yeah, I think seeing my sister on stage. Oh, I love that. Absolutely love that. 
Man, that's a beautiful answer. I don't know how I topped that one, but <laughs> yeah, good luck. <laughs> Honestly, I'll be real with you. I, I feel like I have so many wonderful memories. It's so hard to pick one, but one that is just standing out to me while thinking about it. I had this wonderful acting teacher who has since passed away, but he, Richie Applebaum, he directed me in a, a play called Animal Tales. It's a it's a bunch of vignettes. It's told from the perspective of animals, but in this very unique way that actually highlights the human experience and kind of just shows like everybody is, you know, so similar to one another. It's a really, really beautiful play by, I believe the playwright's name is Dan Nigro. It's a really wonderful play. So if you haven't read it, go read it. It's it's just great. But I remember doing that play. I was, I think it was 14 or 15. And we were doing it at this you know, this professional theater out in Long Island, it, it was only adults in the audience. It was the first time I think I had ever done a show that wasn't like my friends were in the front row. It was like a show that was meant to be performed by children, but only specifically for adults because of the themes were a little bit more adult. And this theater just had a more adult audience. And I remember stepping out, the lights coming on, you know, I, I'm center stage and the lights hit me and I look out and it was the first time I had truly felt like there's a lot of pressure here. There's a, like, I, I have to make sure I'm really good right now. And, and it was a monologue, you know, it's like that, the, it was a, you know, similar to, to Borderless. It was about a, this section of the play it was about a 15, 20 minute section where it's just me on stage. And I remember that feeling and I can like, I can close my eyes and almost fully, I can, I I'm there again, you know? And I think that, is one of my favorite memories because it it taught me how to just be on my toes, which I think is like one of the most important things that you need to learn with any form of the arts. Does not matter if it's theater, if it's it doesn't matter what it is. You know, if you're doing anything creative, you have to you have to learn to be on your toes. You got to be got to be ready to go with anything, and it was a good learning lesson, I guess, too. I love that as well. What a wonderful memory. What great memories from both of you. Thank you both so much for sharing those. Thank you. <laughs> Do either of you have any other projects or productions coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? We're kind of turning more of our attention to screen, but we've got a play called Backyard Desert, which is a play that we really we, that's the play that we met we first met and cast me in and we did a reading and yeah we'd love to sort of get that up on its feet it's a really beautiful sort of story which we're also ideally looking to turn into a film but yeah ethan you can but tell them more about it. yeah that's a project that you know when i peter's passion for the project while we were doing it you know you do you do readings and you don't really expect the actors to really you know care too much you're just like yep they're doing it it's a it's a gig they do it and then they leave you know and that's like that's that's been my experience as a producer with so many plays that i've done readings for because it takes so much time you know a reading is meant to be a step in the developmental process not just for script but for planning and investors and whatever it is right to bring the show to its its final place so peter's passion for it has you know kept me passionate about it and yeah, that's like, as far as, you know, theater goes, that's been the first one on the docket. And then, yeah, like Peter said, you know, we're both focused a lot on on film. I think that's just something we both, we have a, a big passion for film as well. And we got a few film projects that we're really excited about that are in some early stages, some that are going to be entering production somewhat soon. So yeah, lot to look forward to. Amazing. 
So that leads to my final question, which is if our listeners would like more information about Borderless or about either of you two, maybe they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do so? I mean, for me, you can find me online on social media everywhere. It's just my name at Ethan Felizari on Instagram. I'm typically there, but I'm on Twitter. I'm on everywhere. So, you know, contact me. I talk to people every day on there. I love when people send me anything they got, whether it's like, here's a script. I just want some notes. I, I love that. It's like, it, it's some of the most exciting times as a producer, I think. So I, I love to talk to anybody. So on social media, hit me up there um, and the play i mean you can you can find on the the street kid website street kid collective so you know you can take a look over there and on the ck productions website as well yeah peter yeah i've got the old instagram so and facebook just my name peter william jameson otherwise street kid collective well peter ethan thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today about this incredible work borderless and for sharing just all the insight and memories you had thank you so much this was wonderful thank you so much andrew appreciate you thank you thank you my guests today have been the playwright and performer peter william jameson and the producer ethan felizari castillo who are involved with the show borderless playing august 10th through the 20th at theater lab in manhattan you can get your tickets and more information by visiting streetkidcollective.com or theaterlabnyc.com you can also reach out to our guests and follow them via instagram or any other social media platform really You can also follow them or reach out to them via social media, which will have their information posted on our episode description, as well as on our social media. But you are going to want to get your tickets right now for this incredible show, Borderless, which is playing August 10th through 20th at Theater Lab in Manhattan. We are making this a stage whisper night at the theater, and the night we are going to be seeing it is Friday, August 11th. So get your tickets for that night. Join us. We're going to be there, and after the show, we can go out, talk about the show itself, or we can just hang out and talk. We'd love to see you all there, but let's support this great show, these great artists. You're not going to want to miss the show. Borderless, August 10th through the 20th. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater in a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you. Hello.